0: Hey, this is Rob and that's Micaiah and you are listening to You Forgot One today on You Forgot One, Taylor Swift, Folklore. Micaiah, the number one album of 2020 on more than three dozen lists the Grammy Award winner in 2021 for Album of the Year, the third such win for Taylor Swift. Arguably her best album to date. What do we need to know about Folklore?
1: Well, it's her eighth album. It has a couple producers who kind of dominate the album. One is Aaron Desner from the band The National. And the other is Jack Ananoff, who had been working with her since 1989, and on Reputation and Lover, and now this—that's kind of it. And it came out um, in 2020, like you said, during the pandemic. And it was written, recorded, and released during the pandemic. I mean, it is a—it is a pandemic era album through and through. It was a surprise release. You know, there, there was no hint or of a single or anything. It just it was just announced on social media. Here it comes, you know, and uh, people were very excited to see who these collaborators were, especially, you know, people like you and I who are fans of the national and who have been kind of waiting to see Taylor Swift kind of mature um, this way because yeah, it wasn't inevitable, you know, with 1989 being a big pop record and reputation being a very pop record in a very different way. Um, this, this was not an inevitable evolution surprising and shocking and exciting when the announcement was made um and for me i'm someone who's always liked taylor swift but kind of from afar you know like we well, could be, could admit like yeah that's a great song that song rules uh, but but when it keeps happening for like a decade you're like wow she she just keeps turning these out huh like she's she's one of the good ones huh and then finally this happens and i'm like well i guess i'm buying taylor swift records now I'm now I'm all in right. Thanks to this record. And I it was in my top 10 for the year. And this is the newest record we've had on the podcast on our, on our list. And maybe people are saying it's too soon, but when you have someone like Taylor Swift, who's like the biggest pop star consistently for the last 15 years, it feels like you gotta have her represented. Like who, who is a greater pop star if you're going to decide her which record and there are a few contenders um red and maybe even fearless in 1989 but this must be her best in my opinion given our taste
0: given the things that we like for someone who has similar musical taste to you and i i think it's pretty obvious folklore would be her best in in your opinion if you're a bigger pop fan I could see red or nineteen eighty nine being being your your pick for her best album. this for me is the most impressive leap in her songwriting, and that's saying a lot, considering her career to this point. this is someone who is like you said this is she's put out nine albums now, and she is still not yet thirty five
1: yeah and for each of those five or more singles were released and on the charts. Mhm. You know, mega, you know, she's almost half a dozen mega hits for every record she puts out. Plus she writes for other people. I mean, like it's Rob Rob Sheffield of Rolling Stone calls her a pop mastermind and that's that's fair. I mean, that that's it suits her.
0: Yeah. Well, today for our guest on the episode to help us walk through Taylor Swift's folklore track by track, a return guest, you heard her on our emo bonus episode, a friend of mine from the University of Central Florida who has now spent 20 years as a radio professional. My friend Amanda Allwood is with us to talk all things Taylor Swift and the album Folklore. Taylor Swift, at least kind of my opinion of her, is she is a great songwriter. She's a great songwriter. She is a phenomenally talented pop star. And those are two very different things. Because there there are great songwriters who are terrible pop stars, and there are great pop stars who are not great songwriters. She is a great songwriter who is a phenomenally talented pop star. And and so we thought Amanda will have some things to say about the cross section of those two things. So let's start here. What was your first exposure to Taylor Swift? And for someone like you who has worked in radio for 20 years, I imagine your first exposure to Taylor Swift is not when you first became a fan. So if you if your Accurate. exposure was, was different than when you became a fan, tell us about when you first were exposed to Taylor Swift, your first impressions. And then when did you become a fan of Taylor Swift?
2: So that is it's absolutely true, Um, especially because as we have established in previous episodes, I am like an emo kid. I was really into alternative music and indie music, especially around the time that Taylor Swift was like coming. So I had I had left country music behind by the time Taylor Swift was becoming a thing. So to me, my first impression, I don't remember exactly when this was, but I remember there was a point in time where it must have been like her first, like the self titled She was like 15. Right. And I remember there was this rumor and I still don't know if this is true. I probably should have researched this, but like that she only charted because her dad, like she was this close to charting and then her dad bought enough albums to make her chart. I don't know if that is a true thing or not, Mm -hmm. but I heard it and I believed it. And I was like, this girl's full of shit. Like, this is not the way that you like chart. This is not the way you do it. You've got to be, you know, legit. And I was just like, kind of, I was kind of, I talked a lot of shit. I was pretty anti-Taylor Swift for a while and then you know I, I started working at a pop station where we had a country station right next door in the building so I we were at that point that was like 2010 I started working there um so that was when I really like was exposed to a point where I was like okay like this is fun you know like I can I can get behind this I was getting a lot more into pop music at the time and then um the record label invited me to the speak now tour um and it was super last minute like I wasn't gonna go and then I I ended up going I missed like the first two songs I remember like running in and meeting my friends being like I don't really know why I'm here like I kind of like this it's like kind of cute and sweet or whatever but like I don't know if it's my thing um and I by the end of the show I was like well I'm all in I'm a Taylor Swift fan now like I was like ready I was like all right you know like take me away um, that tour was insane and she was so good. And I was like, I was wrong. Like she's, she's the real deal. She can do it live. She was doing it live. Like she wasn't lip syncing. Um, so that's really when I became a fan. Um, and then, you know, that, so that was, that was speak now. And then I was you know, lucky enough to end up meeting her in the 1989 era, um, and working with her a little bit, but yeah, I mean, so it's been a little bit, but I, I cannot say I'm original. By any means. Mm-hmm.
0: The album that we're going to talk about tonight, Folklore, is one of two albums, Folklore and Evermore, that come out that seem to be disconnected in some way from being a pop star. Like, uh, almost almost as if these are albums that someone that is not trying to gain any fame or success makes. And I don't know if that's, that's a projection that I'm putting on these albums or this era, or if the reality of the last two years and, in you know, so much of 2020 being a time without live music. And so the idea of touring or promoting these albums just doesn't factor in as much. Is that maybe something that frees her in a way that she hasn't had at this point in in her career? So I, I, that's kind of a, kind of a big nebulous idea, but as, as someone who knows the industry certainly better than we do, how do you see all of that? How do you kind of interpret all of that?
2: Yeah. Like, and it's funny cause I've actually like, so I've always said in, in my very like specific dealings with her, you know, with label her, the mach- the Taylor Swift machine, we'll call it. And it is a machine. Like, let me tell you, um, they are amazing. Everyone who works for her is like the most talented at what they do. Um, it's kind of incredible. And I, every time I've worked with her or with her team, I've just like, it's it. everyone's on all the time. Right. And I mean, she is like just to give you an idea of what it was like when we did, we did like a thing for her when I worked at Sirius XM. She came in with 1989 and in advance, I remember they asked for really like personal info, like they needed like our names and like birth dates and like middle names. And like, I don't think they took my social security number, but like they needed a lot. And I was like, are they doing background checks on us? And I like, first of all, yes, I think they did. Um, background checks on everyone who got to meet her. But what I also noticed was that she like knew things about us when we came to say hi. Like she knew who we were by face. Like no one was whispering in her ear. And she like was like, oh my gosh, you put this. She like knew what I had done that day to make that event happen. And she did that with everyone And I'm like, wow, what a life that must be to do a million press things constantly. Like, I don't know how that's exhausting. And remember all these things about all these people. She remembered, and I'm sure she didn't remember it, but like knew that like a DJ, the last time she saw her, she had been pregnant and now the baby was one and a half and it was a girl in the name of the baby. Like it was like mind blowing, right? So I think like when you're living at that level and you're this huge pop star, what, what must it be like to then take two years or a year or whatever it had been at the point that she started doing folklore and just be like, well, it's just me and my boyfriend. Yeah. That's got to change you. (laughs) Just be like, well, now, like I don't have to do, you're doing so, everything's other people constantly. And then all of a sudden she got to sit down and it really just be her. That's got to change you. But it's, but it's a unique
1: record because there was no concept of there being a tour in support of the record. So it had to be marketed completely differently. And she had canceled a, like a world tour. Yeah. And so instead of doing that tour, she made this record and it was crazy because we're thinking about like, like the world shut down in March. And then it was just like her and her boyfriend, right? Like Amanda said, but really only for like a month, she started recording folklore in April Like she had a month of like, wow, now what do I do? And she went straight and that's the thing too. Like when you look at her records, it's 2006, 2008, 2010, uh, 2012, where she takes two years to make Mm -hmm. a record. And she had just done lover in 2019. And then in 2020 put out two records, which is like, which is like an incredible output, not only two records, but probably her two best records. You know, so it's, it is a very unique situation where, I mean, that that gets back to what Amanda says. Like it is just her and her boyfriend in a house watching movies and reading books. So what does she do? She just makes two massive records that have more than 15 tracks on each of them and re-records all of her catalog.
2: Oh yeah. No big deal. (laughs) She's not been busy. Yeah. But I think like it's such an interesting thing to think like it's maybe these were finally the records she did for Taylor. Hmm. that's kind of what my takeaway would be. Cause she doesn't have to go and talk about, it, you know what I mean? It's just so different. She knew it was going to be different. I feel like when I listen to them, I can, I can feel a little bit more of just like the inner like person than maybe just the, what she wants to display outwardly.
1: Yeah. It it, it feels like, I think all the records are for her, but what's weird is that most of her albums are also about her yes. and her life. And these two Seem the least autobiographical, mm-hmm. and I think they are, they are released, you know, for her, like you are saying. But still, I think what we're, what we're kind of touching on is that they are released with different intentions. Yeah, and I think that's really just the key difference. I think that can be heard on the records too.
3: Mm-hmm. Give me the keys. I'll bring the car back. Around. We shouldn't be in this town And my so-called friends, they don't know I'd drive away before I let you go So give me a reason, don't say no, no There's a chain round your throat Piece of paper where I wrote I'll wait for you the key on the chain. There's a picture in a frame. Take it away. you and run like you run from the law, darling. Let's run, run from it all.
0: Before we get to talking specifically about folklore, this this is kind of a, a broad question. I guess it's for all of us. What is it that you like about Taylor Swift? When when you think about what what is it that is most compelling to you about her as an artist?
2: So I mean, I think, like I said, I think knowing that when I saw her live, like, Oh, she's the real deal. Like that, that always sells it for me. And I think most people who love music would say that they've been changed on an artist by seeing them live in some capacity. So I think that's part of it. She puts on a great live show. She's obviously super talented, right? She's a great singer songwriter, which I'm, you know, into. Um, But I mean, I, I think like for me personally, I was, like I said, I was like more sold on the Taylor Swift brand and person after having experienced like what I did in meeting her and working with her team and stuff. Because like as a person who does marketing for a living, I was just blown away. Like by every little piece of that like, tiny event we did, I was just like, oh my gosh, like it's so, she's she's a brilliant marketer and pop star, like you said, Rob, because I think that's what it is to be a pop star. You're just marketing yourself. Right. Um, And that like, man, that just is so impressive to me. Like the re-records, the way that she's been able to spin what would be a really boring legal battle for a normal, like 25 year old girl to hear about. And somehow Taylor Swift has figured out how to spin that into like buy these albums again. And also listen to this 10 minute song and watch this like short film I made and love it. Like, how do you even do that? That's insane but somehow she's figured it out and I'm just like thoroughly impressed.
1: I mean, the episode could be this. (laughs) We can can spend an hour on this question. I mean, for me, I mean, I I mean, maybe the first song I heard was the song, our song probably. Mm -hmm. And we're the same age. She's born 89. I'm born 90. So she was kind of the first superstar. I see, I got to see like rise up. Who was like actually my age, you know, which I hadn't like really seen, you know, I, I, you know, everyone else, Christina and Brittany, they were all like, you know, just a few years older, but our age. Yeah, 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 exactly. So this, she was like, she's an artist of my generation, which is, you know, I, which is, you know, worth noting, but like in our song, even though I was in hardcore bands and playing hardcore shows and, you know, and into the emo thing and all that stuff, you know, you still hear things like, you know, um, you know, on the phone, you talk real slow cause it's late and your mama don't know. She's like, well, that's, that's really funny. That's really clever. It's really catchy. He's like, that's, that's a really great line. Like it doesn't even matter. You know, it's like that's, that's really interesting. I, I probably didn't even know that it was Taylor Swift. I was just like, well, that, that's great. But then by fearless in 2008, I have a lot of, I had a lot of girlfriends in, in high school and I couldn't get in any girlfriend's car and not hear fearless i mean like i i've never i've listened i've heard fearless callous times i listened to it for the first time on my own start to finish preparing for this episode of the podcast because it was just it was just around me that much you know And, and it was just like wow i mean forever and always this is great like any like there are some bands that I've, I've seen live that I can imagine actually having released this song and they're not anywhere near country music,
3: mm-hmm.
1: you know, like um other kind of Florida bands at the time, like, like Mayday Parade, like Mayday Parade could have put that song out, you know, uh, and it would have worked just fine on them, you know, and, and um love story is just like, well, this is just a great, there, there's, there, there's some cliches in there, but like, it's just a really great, big pop song that, that really works. And then, you know, it's one of those things where you're like, well, I mean, it's, it's not my thing, but it's on. And I can recognize, Hey, this is good. And like, speak now, like anything that happened in that time was lost. I mean, I didn't, I didn't, I was in college, but then red happens. And they're like, Oh, she's, she's becoming a pop star. And you're like, well, she's always been a pop star. You know, like she, <laughs> That, that was always her thing, but now she's with Max Martin, right? She's, and she has like those big three Max Martin songs. They're ginormous, but like the song 22 came out the week I turned 22. Like, Aww. so, it, but it didn't matter to me because I was like, well, I, this doesn't matter. You know, I'm, I'm listening to, you know, Bony Vare and like that's the same thing with Fearless. Like that came out the same year as the first Vampire Weekend, Bony Vare, Fleet Foxes, MGMT, Tokyo Police. Like, I was like, that was so far from like, Exactly. Yeah, a, a That's how I
3: felt.
1: Car, you know, and then 1984 happens, and I'm just like, "Well, 89, 1989." <laughs> what did I said, 1984. Yeah, uh, yeah. 1989. By the happens.
0: way, I, I would give a million dollars to hear Taylor Swift write an entire concept album based on George Orwell's book. I, I like. I, I'm here for that.
1: <laughs> I'm okay with just "Hail to the Thief" existing. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. I love it. Uh, yeah. 1999 1990 was out. I'm like, yeah, this is probably what, you know, felt like this is what she has been working toward. And I listened to that record again. It's like, there's so many different things she's doing. There are so many different kinds of songs and she's giving so many different vocal performances. I was like, wow, she can do a lot more than we've even been given her credit for. Like we've, it was like, but she's a great writer and she writes all her songs and this is true. And she's had different writing partners Uh, and then I remember when that album came, out. I was like, okay, this is the best so far. Like every album has just been like, she just keeps topping herself. I was like, there's I was like, I don't know when I don't know if she's going to turn 30 or 40, but I remember I was in Miss, I was living in Mississippi and I was telling someone who's also a Taylor fan. I was like, she's going to come out with the record. It's going to be her blue is going to be her tapestry. I don't know if it's going to take her being married, divorced and with child, but something's going to happen to where she's going to like go back to her roots with all this kind of everything that's like informed her music now. And then we're going to get like the Taylor Swift record. I've been waiting for as someone who's like, had my eye on her since we were in high school. And sure enough, like I I wake up, pandemic times and there's like an announcement that's just like from the national on their social media it's like taylor swift aaron desner album tomorrow midnight and i was like well it happened (laughs) it finally i knew it happened this is the one i've been waiting for so like again like a fan i've been like yeah these are all great songs and i mean reputation i was just like this is getting harder to defend um like look what you made me do I was like I can't defend this one Taylor you're on your own girl you're on your own journey Oof. Um, but yeah so it was just so exciting to so what, what I like about Taylor which is the question is uh, watching her evolve and watch like as a songwriter just like continue to write songs and to continue to grow and to get to this point now where she's you know writing the best stuff of her career and being recognized for that also, and working with people who I actually have my eyes on, like, or like back when Fearless came out in 2008, right? I was listening to Bonnie Vare. Now, Bonnie Bear's in her circle, which no one really talks about this, but remember in 2010, Bonnie Vare was on Kanye's record, right? They're buddies, right? And which is the same year she's writing songs about Kanye on Speak Now, right? So it's very interesting that by 2020, Bon Iver is not working with Kanye. It's like, i going to
2: go this way.
1: Yeah, now, now making records with Taylor, which is a pretty interesting pivot. Uh, and one that yeah. was very exciting to see. I, I don't think that's Justin Vernon of Bon Iver commenting on his relationship with uh, Kanye. Um, but it is, you know, just it, it's there now it's like okay we're all in like we're all admitting like yeah she's great and she can bring great stuff out of them and they can bring great stuff out of her and so just watching her just you know um really love songwriting and songwriters is um it's just appealing for someone who loves music i saw like a rolling stone magazine where one year like oh like what was your favorite song of the year and she and she put blood bank by Boney bear. I, I was but this is like early too I was like huh. And it wasn't one of those things where I was like is she just trying to get cred or what? I was like I buy that because that knowing that song I was like yeah, I buy that. I bet she does really like that. And then having that come full circle is just you know, that's fun. But and and, and of course she's I mean, she's America's sweetheart.
3: He said a little-
0: So I'll be honest. One of the things that I have been thinking a lot about trying to be really honest about all of this, I'm, I came very late to the Taylor Swift game and I I think it's because the earliest stuff that I heard from her came across as just like typical pop country stuff that was, you know, and again, felt like there was this big machine behind it. And like you were just being fed the next pop pop artist it wasn't until 1989 came out it, it, it wasn't into it and, and what i love is there's a really great snl skit
2: for years i suffered from vertigo
1: out of nowhere i'd feel dizzy disoriented even nauseous gramamine helped my flashes subside and i hadn't had a flare-up in years
2: years years until recently I was jogging, listening to Spotify. Casually browsing iTunes, flipping through the radio. And I heard this new song that I loved.
1: I loved. I looked to see who it was, and that's when the vertical hit.
2: It was Taylor Swift.
1: Taylor Swift. Taylor Swift. The whole room started spinning. I felt nauseous. I don't like Taylor Swift. I know I don't. Yes, you do. You friggin' love her hi i'm neurologist dr david doctor over the last one
0: month realizing you love taylor swift has become the leading cause of vertigo in adults that's why now there's swift to me the fast that was actually the impetus for me to go back and listen to red and speak now and fearless and it was one of those things where i found myself going oh like she's really good. And there's, there's a whole lot of different stuff that she's doing. I wasn't bought into her enough. Um, you know, like I was never like a huge Swifty fan who was like following her personal life and trying to like read the tea leaves of all of her songs. Like who is she talking to? Like, so when people started talking about red Taylor's version coming out and everyone being like, Oh my gosh, can you believe what Jake Gyllenhaal? And I was like, I didn't know they were ever together. Like I, Yeah, had, had no idea like and again oh
2: my gosh well like, let me know if you ever want a timeline
0: yeah <laughs> um I, I know at some point or another she dated john Mayer for like a hot second and then,
1: did. Uh, sir did you listen to dear john on speak now um,
2: yeah, yeah first of all yes um second of all why do you think her and Katy perry had bad blood because of john freaking Mayer? so again like there's who i love by the way and i don't I no, would no, never I haven't talked bad about him. I, I'm
0: so again, there's there's a certain degree for like I'm too old for that. Like I just I don't have the energy for that. Um, I, I may have, you know, 10 years ago if I had like stayed up with it as it was happening then, but because I was going back to all that stuff after the fact, I, I just wasn't gonna spend time on it. It really liked 1989, and then again, as much as I hate to admit this now, um, because of what a tool he turned out to be, I'm, you know, I, I'm, I'm a big Ryan Adams fan. So when Ryan Adams did the entire, yeah. the cover of the whole album, I was like, Oh my gosh, this is amazing. Like, yeah, like, it, it, so, so for me, Ryan Adams, who I loved, like someone, someone like him being like, not only is she a great artist, but this album is so great. I'm going to do, I'm going to cover the entire thing. I mean, was like, yeah, like she's
1: great. And, and then he did reputation. some pretty agreeable punch-ups to the lyrics too. that's a good fix yeah yeah
0: and then and then you know reputation wasn't it wasn't a great a great album but there were there were still some good songs on it um it definitely felt like a little put on like i not not to say it wasn't authentic but just like it it felt like the the person who's trying way too hard to convince everyone they're doing better after a breakup and it's just like Mm -hmm. it's 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 an album that just feels uh, I, I don't know if you're fans of the comedian Taylor Tomlinson, but like her her latest Netflix special came out yesterday and like it feels very much like that, where I'm just like, you just want to go to the Taylor Swift who made reputation, be like, just, just just go to bed. Go to bed. Like you're you're it'll be okay. Just <laughs> just just stop.
1: Um I say little rage, get it out of versus.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, and, and look, the 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 emo kid in me is like, yeah, go for it. Like you 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 did you just didn't go hard enough. Like you know, it needs to, there there needs to be more threats in it.
2: It used to feel a little bit more like maybe saves the day. <laughs> just like just yeah. really like well, a little violent. It's, yeah. a, it's
1: a weird album because it was presented as something that was like that with like the first couple singles. But then like the next songs were like delicate, gorgeous, yeah. New Year's Day. Yeah. She's playing piano for Jimmy Fallon. And New he's Year's crying. Day. You know, so it's just like, oh, this album actually isn't, fuck you Kim Kardashian and Kanye like like it was being presented as right, right. for those couple singles so that's what kind of it's like just a very like it's like well it's being presented as one thing but it's actually another thing and nothing's like exceptionally great so it just it's just kind of one. Yeah, yeah it just kind of fell a little flat especially since it's I mean it's following the I mean yeah. like the and, pop record of the decade
0: yeah and and, and look lover lover is a fine album but, but it also doesn't feel like... It's just not... It's not a great album. There's something about Folklore and Evermore that that I deeply, deeply love in a way that I don't... Even 19 9, the album that I'm crazy about. I, I'm not as wild about any of her earlier stuff as I am about Folklore and Evermore. I'm going to go ahead and admit this. I don't know that any of that is Taylor's fault. I... Maybe because of the generation that I'm a part of and because of the way like pop artists were cranked out by the Disney machine, um, you know, all through my teenage years. I think that I had projected just that machine that creates pop artists onto Taylor. And there is an uncomfortable amount of, of probably sexism that like not, <laughs> it's not overt, but probably an underlying sexism that I think is, is underneath that that it took me much longer to give Taylor the credit she's rightfully deserving of as, as a songwriter, I think very early on, I was like, yeah, she's a great pop star and and being a pop star is, is a huge deal. Like that's a full-time job and not everyone's made for that. And not everyone is built for celebrity and there are plenty of people who handle it very poorly. Like all, all of those things are true, but I think for a long, long time, I just saw her as a pop star and did not give her the credit she was deserving of as a songwriter. I think Folklore and Evermore like sealed that for me. There's no going back. She is just a phenomenal songwriter. And so I think through that lens, I'm able now to go back and listen to some of her earlier stuff and see the great songwriter in there instead of kind of just writing her off as a pop star.
1: I mean, and that's very cool of you to admit, Rob, but like also... You were never her key demographic Yeah Like she's writing songs about being 15 And le- like that was By the time that you were already 28 like it was not It was never for you No no you know, I, I was world. never her target audience
3: I see out to late
2: you guys brought up something kind of interesting in both of what you were talking about um and i just i don't know like you know again i'm gonna I, I was also the like emo expert you guys brought on so i'm here to also make a bridge there i don't know if you know this but taylor swift is like a huge dashboard confessional fan mm-hmm. and was growing up and so i you know i think that that also really like you can you can see so much of that i think as we get into like spread and you know those records where you're just like oh wow like lyrically there is a lot of that there and i think that's also what kind of always interested me too is like i could it wasn't the same musically but there was like a sentiment that really like brought me back to those like oh okay like it's it's kind of got that vibe to it in a way
1: yeah, she was. She was always more similar to someone like Chris Caraba than she was of the Disney Machine. Like, you were. Right. It was much easier to compare to Chris Caraba than it was Selena Gomez. Even though she, right. I mean, she's very close with Selena Gomez. You know, like she, she was not part of that. You know, it That's seemed right. like she was much more part of the singer-songwriters we were enjoying, and she's um, coming up at the same time as Paramore, mm-hmm. and you can see like, oh, this is not. That especially on Speak Now, there's like a straight up Paramore song on that record.
2: Right. It was Um, just packaged differently.
1: How much
0: of the way we view an artist's work has nothing to do with the work itself, but but the packaging the industry has given us for it?
2: Really good question. I think. So I think to kind of keep it focused on folklore, too, I think that. I think that she was packaged correctly because I think she was incredibly young. Um, and her songs were squeaky clean pop princess. This is what it feels like to be in love when you're 14. And I think that that's adorable. And she was speaking to exactly who she should have been speaking to, despite the fact that she was probably far more talented than anyone else has ever done it at her age, at least in the past generation or two. Right. Um, So I think that she was packaged perfectly. She wanted to do country music. It's what she was into. And I think that, you know, her, her dad is pretty savvy and knew that if she really wanted to like be successful and do it right, like that was the way to go. And it, then her becoming a pop star. I mean, country music did not country radio specifically did not take that lightly. Like they were pissed at Taylor Swift. There was Backlash in country radio when she put out, you know, the the red record and then 1980. When by the time she put out 1989, they were like, we are done with you. Um, you have forsaken us. And that was like real weird. Um, but they they were just, they didn't want anything to do with her anymore. So, but I think like somehow, you know, it was it was packaged so well that we then bought her as a full-fledged pop star with no questions. We were like, Yeah, she was a country star and now she's a pop star and we're all fine with it. Um, And that's because that's who she wanted to be. And then now, I mean, I think that Folklore charted as an alternative record, if I'm not mistaken, um, on Billboard. So like, then she packaged herself as this and, and it worked. And I don't think she would have been able to put out an album like Folklore if she hadn't like gotten so much respect as a pop star. Um, And I also think we now live in a world without like, you know, we even grew up in an, a world where like you had radio stations and you liked this kind of music and that was what you're into. And I think we talked about this on the last episode a little bit where I was on, where like, th- that doesn't exist anymore. You know, like kids don't like a certain type of music anymore. They just like music. And so it doesn't really mm-hmm. matter. I mean, what she wants to be or is. It's like, if they like the song, it's just going to go on their playlist.
1: One, well, I think the strength of 1989 is that it's it's the one that's packaged as her pop album and sure enough when you listen to it, it, is a pop album, start to finish. There's nothing else on there but you know, thirteen big pop songs. And folklore is still packaged in a way, I still don't think that it is exactly the album they were promoting or what was being written about and what like Swifties were saying online about it. Cause it's not quite it's not it's not a folk album. Oh no. It's it's not like, it, it's not, it's not like this, like, dark, really album quite either. Like, it was just like, well, these are still songs about, I'm only 17 and I know that I love you. Like, it's still that, you know, like, <laughs> you know, the, it, it's still about young love. A lot of these songs and love triangles and but among, but other things too, you know? So like, it it wasn't. It still wasn't the thing people were talking about or writing about, you know. Like it, it, yeah. It's so it those. I mean, Evermore was even more the album that people even more than that. But the Folklore Long Pond Sessions, like, oh, this is the record people were writing about when Folklore came out. Mm-hmm. You know, um, in, in, which, which, by the way, those are great. The the Long Pond Sessions, amazing. It, yeah, I've listened to that. Like those, the audio version of that. As many times as I have folklore getting ready for this, it's been, it's been a good few days.
3: I'm doing good, I'm on some new shit. Been saying yes instead of no. I thought I saw you at the bus stop, I didn't though. I hit the ground running each night. I hit the Sunday matinee. All you know the greatest films of all time were never made I guess you never know, never know And if you wanted me, you really should have showed And if you never bleed, you're never gonna grow And it's alright now But we were something, don't you think so? Roaring twenties, tossing pennies in the pool And if my wishes came True, it would have been you. In my defense, I have none for never leaving well enough alone. But it would have been fun if you would have been the one.
0: Why don't we go ahead and jump in to this album with track number
1: one, The One? I recognize this piano is being something Aaron would write, but it still kind of has like a hip hop beat. And she's still kind of doing a hip hop cadence. It was, I mean, she starts with, I'm on some new shit. And you're like, well, that's not folk music. So like, that, <laughs> I'm feeling good. I'm on some new shit. It's just like, well, that, hmm. um, that already, like, that's not the promise of the promotional materials, which have only been out for like 24 hours anyway. <laughs> so, you know, it's like, well, so it was just like okay actively like okay first impression have to recalibrate expectations right away right okay she's still doing this is just like one of the lower softer lover songs or something you know so it was it was for me hearing the one I was like I got nervous I was like okay this doesn't sound like what I wanted from Aaron Desner and Taylor Swift that pairing you know um, I remember Molly, my fiance, when she heard her first time, she's like, "I thought I saw you at the bus stop, but I didn't though." Wow, what a writer! Like she, she, she always. <laughs> uh, I was just like, you, you need to keep listening. Like this, I was like, I promise you're gonna. And, and by the way, folklore. My fiance was again one of those things where, like men have always, in my life, have, like responded to her much more than women. My fiance not a big Taylor Swift fan. And then folklore mm. happens and she'll be listening. She's like, Taylor's the best. I'm like, excuse me, ma'am. What did you say? She's like, yes, she's the best. You know, it's just like, I mean, it, it won, I mean, she was, she's not someone who was like eyeballing Taylor. She was someone who pretty disinterested, mm. you know, she's in the beehive. She is not with the Swifties. Oh right. yeah. Okay. All right. Damn, their own group. So that's my first impression of the one. Um, now it, it is a song that I like. Um, but it's not essential to the record, I I don't think. But I, I I do, I enjoy the song just fine. But to me, it doesn't set up any of like kind of the recurring things that themes that happen in the record. Um, I could I not do,
0: disagree.
2: I, like I couldn't disagree with you more.
0: Yeah, I, I disagree with that as well.
2: Yeah. Wow. Okay. So the one is probably one of my favorite songs on the record. Oh wow. Um, I love it so much, and I think. So for me being like a fairly long time fan, like knowing the catalog really well at this point, like I can go all the way back. Right. I love the one because I was like, Oh, like she's, she's growing up a little bit, you know, like, cause to me, it felt like, you know, I hadn't heard any of the other songs on the album. I didn't really know anything about it. I had no preconceived notions. Right. So I come in and I'm like, if red is my favorite Taylor record and she is like dwelling you know, I mean, red is about like, I am, it's, it's that, you know, now we know a 10 minute version of all too well. And it's just like, she's never going to get over this. It just feels so heavy. And I feel like the one is kind of what you write when you're like 35 and yeah, like you've moved on, but like, you're always kind of like, Oh, what would have happened if that would have been the guy I married, you know, Mm -hmm. like, or what? And so to me, I was like, okay, like, I feel like we're seeing just like a different side of her. And I love the idea of that, and I, don't, I just thought it. I think it's just such a, like a fun way to open It up and just be like Okay, like we're just we're trying some We're trying some new shit.
0: I think the one is a great Song. I think it's I think the one two punch Of the one in Cardigan opening this Album work perfectly Together
3: Vintage tea Brand new phone, High heels on Cobblestones When you are young they assume You know smile black lipstick sensual politics
1: To me, the, the, the album has two opening tracks with the one and Cardigan. I can see that. You know, so well, The one is just like everyone who's here because you're a Swifty, I got you. Cardigan is like everyone's here because you like Taylor Swift and you're excited about Aaron Dessner being in the mix, you guys are welcome too. You know what I mean? So like there, there are two different starting points kind of for for the different listeners, which that might not be intentional. Um, but at the same time it's, it's very smart.
2: Yeah. So I was excited kind of to, when I dug into it a little bit more, not on the first list and I don't think I totally got it, but as you start to learn, okay, this, this is like a trilogy there's a few different characters that are going to come back, which feels like the hold steady to me, which like, I love, like I love some characters in an album and Taylor's never given us that. And so it was so exciting. To you know, know that she was singing about someone else and this, these like fictional characters that she'd made up in her mind. So it's like the Betty with the Betty James trilogy, um, and I just thought this one was like so sexy and interesting and cool. And I had actually had like I'd listened to this album a number of times before Long Pond Sessions came out. And I remember like boring my husband to death at the dinner table, and he likes Taylor Swift, but I was like, I have a theory about this trilogy, and he was like, Oh dear God, here we go, and I was like, I think that. I was like, I think the cardigan is like, this is like Betty looking back like years later. Like she's, this is like, James has fucking done this shit a number of times. Like he keeps coming back. Um, And it's funny because in long sessions, that's essentially what Taylor says about it. Um, Mm -hmm. Because to me, it always felt like, it felt like a well, like a, a 45 year old woman who's kind of like looking back at this relationship she's had with this guy since high school and it's just gone back and forth and back and forth. And he's kind of fucked her over a couple of times, but she's been with him and kind of the beauty of their relationship, but also the sadness that has come with it. Um, And I, for Taylor, that just feels like such a, like such a deep thing that we, I didn't ever really expect from her. Um, And so I thought that was what makes Cardigan really, really cool.
1: For me, I mean, this is, I mean, the, the piano sounds a lot like, the final track from the national record that came out in 2019. Mm-hmm. I'm easy to find the song light years, um, pretty similar piano. And I was like, yep, I recognize this. I, I like this piano. The the fact that the, the item is a cardigan. I was like, okay, it seems like she's really, it's, it's the presentation thing again. It's like, we're getting real cozy. The whole cottage core thing, you know, just like, okay, we're, we're setting up like a, like a vibe, you know, it's, it's a little contrived, but the song's good. You know, it, it works. It's the only one that has a music video. Um, The person who uh, Taylor directed the music video, the uh, cinematographer was Scorsese's new cinematographer who did like Wolf of Wall Street and silence and the Irishman and this music video, you know, so it's just like, she I'm, I'm watching this. I'm like, she gets me, you know, she's, she's tapping Aaron Desner, you know, the guitarist, you know, instrumentalist for, for the national, she's getting Scorsese's DP, She's got she's got good taste. She knows what she's doing, you know. I'm on board. I like the song I'm on board. That's kind of, you know, my my first impression and you know, it's it's I yeah, yeah. I I, I like the song just fine, but it's not, it's not one of my favorite songs on the record.
0: I, I love streaming this album. I love streaming the Long Pond studio sessions. I love watching the recording with the intercut interviews on on the movie but i have been especially enjoying listening to this album on vinyl the last few days and i love the side a of this album where you get the one cardigan last great american dynasty in exile it might be the strongest four song opening to an album that i can think of in the last 10 years like it's just so good I think Cardigan is just such a, a well-written and performed song. The piano in it is perfect. But Last Great American Dynasty, especially listening to the album so many times in the last few days, this might be my favorite song on the album.
3: Rebecca rode up on the afternoon train It was sunny Her saltbox house on the coast took a mind off St. Louis Bill was the heir to the stand oil name and money and the town said how to middle-class divorce they do it the wedding was charming if a little gauche there's only so far new money goes they picked out a home and called it holiday house Their parties were tasteful if a little loud the doctor had told them to settle Stood in her fault, his heart gave out And they said, there goes the last great American dynasty Who knows if she never showed up, what could have been There goes the maddest woman this town has ever seen She had a marvelous time
1: Rob and I will I will piggyback with you here and I'll say, someone could say, it's the best song she's written. Like it's it's a, it's a really great song. Yeah. Um, again, it's that first impression thing was like, okay, there's a bit more drums here. The more it says, like, okay, so at this point, I'm like, it's not a folk album. It's not what I wanted, but what's happening right now, this is great. Like, this is a song that is. Not about her. Um, it is. um It's twenty twenty. It's until about woman until woman. the
0: end.
2: Until it is about her.
0: Yeah. Sure. Yeah. She, I mean, like she makes everything about her. It's it's kind of the right. message of this song.
1: <laughs> well, I mean, she, I mean, it's the woman whose house she owns. Yes. Her, yeah. Right. So, yes. I mean, like it's we we understand going in, right? So, but like it's it's um it's interesting because it's she's talking about women and the way it's it's reputation in a way that looks it's a it's a more empowered it's a more
0: realistically empowered women uh reputation
1: well it it looks back a hundred years right to this woman in the 1920s presumably or maybe a little bit you know whatever it's long enough ago to be like playing cards with dolly right so you know it's and then she mentions things like the roaring 20s like in a couple of these songs like in this and everywhere also so she's she's definitely looking back on like the last hundred years but so thinking of like the experiences of women you know just being like hey like because people always accuse her of like playing the victim which is like something you hear a lot about like i hate taylor she always plays the victim card it's just like she's just experiencing life as a woman (laughs) like women have had to experience for um since there's been women, you know what I mean? Like women have just always been treated like this and you know what? And and if you say something, you're being hysterical or you're being a victim, but it's just, it, it's baloney. But, you know, so to like look at this woman from this time period and, and, and it, you know, who's Mr. Burns wealthy, you know what I mean? But like still there's this kind of like universal theme, right? Like, Oh, like this, you know. This woman's mad. This woman's crazy. You know, it's just like, you know, it's just like. Of course, if there were Gatsby, it's boys being boys. It's the Roaring Twenties, but it's because it's this woman who is a history. She's not a, a Fitzgerald fictitious character, right? It's it's rooted in something very real and very honest, and making a very interesting statement. And then, of course, her tying herself to that woman. It's like, oh yeah. So this is what reputation was about. She's had enough time to like really let this stuff sit in like Amanda was saying with like the one being like red be like you know what that could it could have been fun but you know it wasn't it you know I mean so like it's that kind of thing too but in a way that reaches much further back and with much more depth uh, that makes it a really interesting song not just interesting pop song but just interesting song in general you know
2: yeah, this was on the first probably month or so of this uh this record was out. This last great American Dynasty was absolutely my favorite song. It mm-hmm. I have since probably I might have just listened to it way too many times in that time period. Um other songs have like overtaken it, but I I, I mean, I'm with you. It like it's a great song. It's so much fun. I love the, again, I love a good story. Um, so I think that what she did here was so incredible. And then, yeah, at the end where she's like, you know, you, you kind of realized if you didn't know from the holiday house thing, if you weren't like a super fan and know that that's what her Rhode Island house was called, or I think it's Rhode Island, um, that like, oh, okay, that's, this is now the house she lives in. Okay. This is about her. Like, I think it's just kind of like such an interesting little tidbit. Right. Without, without pulling from the headlines, you know, it's about her,
1: but without like the tabloid aspect of her Mm -hmm. life, which we don't need her to comment on. We've already read it. You know, we know, and we like you, you don't need to defend yourself. Whoever's listening to the record, they're here for you already, you know, but it also kind of sets up like, like a motif, like something to keep, you know, like, and then eventually we get the song mad woman, which is kind of like the sister track to the, you know, so it's, it's setting something up. Uh, just like the way Cardigan like set up like, okay, so we're going to get that trilogy of songs mm-hmm. and the one, like I was saying, doesn't set up much, but it eases Taylor Swift fans into the record. That's why it's not as interesting to me.
2: Oh, um,
0: I find, I find the one actually sets up the last great American dynasty. Well,
2: it's interesting. Like, I don't know that. I think the one sets up a great American dynasty But I do think it sets up so much because I think like for for me, I was just looking up the exact lyric. It's in my defense, I have none for never leaving well enough alone. And I'm like, well, isn't that just everything? Mm. Cause isn't every one of these songs about the past? Mm. Like, so I always kind of think of it as this perfect, like, okay, we're going back. We're going to like, Dissect all of these things. I mean, she, you know, like in exile and seven in August, like everyone's just looking back on something. Cardigan, she's they're looking back, they're now, they're not leaving. They want to tell the story.
3: I can see you staring, honey, like he's just your understudy, like you'd get your knuckles bloody for me. Second, third, and hundredth chances Balancing on breaking branches Those eyes add insult to injury I think I've seen this film before And I didn't like the ending I'm not sure problem anymore Seen this film before, so I'm leaving at the side door. So, step right up.
0: Since the album came out in 2020 till this very day, the only song on this album that has continually been my favorite is "Exile," a song written by Taylor with Justin Vernon of Bon Bear and her boyfriend of five six years now.
1: Uh-huh. So.
0: Actor actor Joe Alwyn, who is credited here as William Bowery.
1: Yeah, she just she's just giving her the Swifties just something to, you know, go bananas over just to say who is this person? You know, I mean, okay, like the whole Easter egg thing is not what interests me in Taylor Swift at all, and sometimes I feel like. Swifties and maybe even herself you know use the word easter egg when they mean the word motif (laughs) like it's not like like well if you keep returning to it it's not really an easter egg it's a theme um but you know you know she like she likes to have fun it's for someone that big who can't have a relationship with very many people right the most fun you can have with the most amount of people and and kind of just kind of Watch it safely from your phone. Is watch people talk about you and think about these things and wrestle with what they all mean, you know. And I think that's her kind of way of safely connecting with all of her fans, you know. And so I understand it from that perspective of someone who's just like can't safely interact with many people because she's been the, like one of the most famous people of the last fifteen years. But all that being said, I mean, let's back back to the song. Right, Excel. Yeah, this is now, now we're in the territory where it's like, this is what I signed up for. This is why I pre-ordered the record. You know, like this is, by the way, first record I bought from Taylor Swift is this one. And this was the time I was like, you know what? I will follow her on Instagram. You know, and then immediately when I did that, my Instagram Explore page was nothing but Swifty fan theories on everything from her entire career. My entire explore page. Yeah, I don't want to open that door. Um, Justin Vernon, Bony Vert, like I'm, Aaron Desner, Taylor Swift. I'm going to like this song no matter what it is, right? Let's just and then thankfully, like it just is a good song. Um, I think uh, Justin Vernon has the best vocal performance on the album. He just he just has a stronger voice than her. So I, I think he, I think he steals the show for a little bit here, but that's why you want Justin Vernon on your record. I mean, he he has such a a big voice. Yeah, I mean, what are, what are you gonna say? I mean, the song like listen to it. All I gotta do is listen to it. I, yep, that song rules. Like, uh, their their voices go really well together, which I didn't expect. And they and um, when they did the Big Red Machine record, she sings back up on the song Reese and they and she did the song Renegade. And yeah, I it is a part and he of course sings on Evermore a couple more times. It's like I I hope this collab these collaborations just keep on coming because I am all here, all in on those. I I, I love it.
2: Yeah. I just think it's the saddest song in the whole world. And I realized that that is just like really like that's so boiling it down. To you just said so many beautiful things. And I'm just like, I don't know. It just really made me cry you guys. Um, and it did like, this song is like a car crash. I mean, it's like, it's so, it hurts so bad to listen to it sometimes. And like, I, I don't, I mean, lyrically it is a gut punch of a song. Um, and I think it's only then heightened by the fact that their voices sound so incredible together. Yeah. Like, yeah. you know, it's like, lyrically, it's great. And yeah. anyone could probably make this song work. Like the only person who could make it sadder is probably Adele. If Adele sang this song, because that's what she does for a living. Too big. I think her voice sadder. is too big. It yeah. might be, it might be. Yeah. I mean, that's an interesting point. I don't know. Um, But like, I just can't think of anyone who makes me just feel more like, my stomach hurts. I'm so upset. Yeah. Um, then like, then, then Adele. And it's like, so this song, this song is amazing and I love it so much and I listen to it every time I never skip it. Um, but it's really sad. Like it's rough.
0: Mm-hmm. The way the two of them sing together, there, there are plenty of, there are plenty of duets that she has done with people who who are strong singers, but the interplay of, especially when you get to, um, essentially the the closing bridge where it's you you never gave a warning sign i gave so many signs like i gave like,
2: so many signs like, it physically kills me <laughs> this,
0: this this idea of 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 this person who is like is sitting here with all of this uh, with all of this love going where did it all go wrong and the other person going you weren't paying attention. It is a visceral song.
1: Yeah. I mean, to me, it's a, it, it pairs nicely with, I should live in salt by the national Mm -hmm. where, you know, like, you know, can't you turn the TV down? You should know me better than that. And so like, you should know me better than that. It's just like, Ooh, that that's a gut punch, which it was just so subtle. And so nice where it's like, yeah, that's how actually people really fight. It's like, well, you should know me. I shouldn't have to say that you should know me better than that. And so like the equivalent for this one is just like I never learned to read your mind. You know it's like it's it's the same sentiment and it's just like and Justin Vernon just and just like really banging that piano. You know it's just like it's like ooh and he the, he cuz Taylor doesn't have a soulful voice. Justin Vernon has a soulful voice. And but um and she sings in a pretty low register to kind of match his when they trade verses. But when he goes higher and really brings it in, she brings in like a falsetto and a higher part of register, which she doesn't do a lot. Um, but you re- you realize like, oh, she has a beautiful voice and actually can do a lot of things with her voice. She actually she's actually very gifted, has a much greater range and a better uh, better use of her facilities than people give her credit for as a singer. And so to be working with such a strong singer. And having to to come back with that, you know, and also just like as do it, like really giving each other a lot to work with vocally, Mm -hmm. like they're, they're, they're really, that's what makes a good singing partnership is they're, they're setting each other up to do really impressive things with their voices. And and then
0: we go to the only song on the whole album that is exclusively, that is not a co-write that, my Tears Ricochet, the only song written entirely by Taylor Swift. Pro- produced by Jack Antonoff, but entirely written by Taylor Swift.
3: We get the here, we line up, weeping in a sunlit room. And if I'm on fire, you'll be made of ashes too. Even on my worst day Did I deserve, babe All the hell you gave me Cause I loved you I swear I loved you Till my dying day I didn't have it in myself To go with grace And you're the hero Flying around safe face and if I'm dead to you why are you at the wake cursing my name wishing I stay look at how my tears
1: ricochet to me this is where like there's a noticeable shift in the in the music
2: I like this song but I don't love this song like it's one of those that if you were to tell me like it, so, for instance, like because I know that Evermore was essentially the same writing sessions or whatever, you know, it was just kind of the other songs. If, if like you replaced this with with Champagne Problems, I would be fine. That would, oh, well. I could accept that as a solid replacement for My Tears Ricochet. I like it. I think it's it's a nice song, but I think there's are stronger songs she probably could have put in its place. To be perfectly honest, yeah, I, I
1: agree. I agree. Uh, this is the one. This is the first song she wrote. For the record, right? Is that what she says in the Long Pond mm-hmm. sessions? I kind yes. of feel so that, that. That's kind of your like. This is this is where the pandemic enters the album. I think <laughs> there 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 are, there are a lot of pandemic songs on here actually, uh, as much as there are love triangle songs, and I think that's. I think we're getting that a little bit here.
2: Yeah, um, it's just I, I think. I think it's a good song, but I think it's just kind of like, oh, all right, okay, cool. And this is maybe where I go, you know, this is where I take in my intermission and I go to the bathroom during the concert. Yeah. And and yet,
1: uh, like I said, I ended up following. I ended up following Taylor around this time. This is the one the Swifties went for. Right. This is this is where they're just like, mm-hmm. yes now coming off of exile you're like um what just happened <laughs> yeah. you know like that that's new territory yeah. for swifties you know so this is where they this is the more like now that's the gut punch mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. you know it, yeah. it, it, it is it's written like a classic taylor song cursing my name wishing i'd stayed you know you turn to your you know it's just like the, it, it's very classic taylor there's 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 nothing really new here. There's, this isn't anything she hasn't done before. Um, but, you know, but I, and this is one where I think is, is improved upon in the long Bond sessions. The more they strip it back, the better the song actually is. Mm-hmm.
0: Not, not a strong song. And, and, I think, and I think the contrast of it being a non, it, not a strong song is made that much, the contrast is made that much darker by following Exile.
1: Mm-hmm. and, and may, maybe you have to maybe you kind of have to bury your <laughs> you, you know it's not your strongest one you know so how, how are you going to follow up exile you're not going to put like epiphany there you was know, it's just like well we got to put right. you know what i mean it's just like it, it it's a it's a well-structured album it, it's at the same time right not the strongest but perfectly placed right mm-hmm. you need a cool down from exile, right? Mm-hmm. And something to kind of maybe tee up her mirror
3: ball. Uh-huh.
0: Yeah, Mirable a great song.
2: Yeah, oh, I do not like that song. Really? Really? Oh, yes. Sorry, guys. Oh, this Thought is I Thought we'd be on the same page on that one. <laughs> no, Mirable. So let's start
0: here. What, what don't you like about Mirable?
2: I just don't really like, I've got no, like, lyrics. So I'm very, obviously, you've had a couple conversations with me now. Like, lyrically, that's where I live. Like, I'm, I sing yeah. along. I'm, that's, that's, and the female brain kind of works that way. I've, like, read a couple things about it. When it comes to music that's the first thing we respond to. So Mirrorball to me, I just didn't feel I never felt like any connection to it. she explains it on the long pond sessions. So I'm like, okay. Um it's just not, I don't know. I just didn't feel like it was for me, I feel like it was fine. Um but like again, this is one that if there's probably there's a couple songs on Evermore, if you were to put combine these two albums that I would I would sacrifice Miraball. Um if you wanted to put like tis the damn season or something you know or like or, or the the song with him that's names escaping me right now um nobody rather. no crime yes um which i love we, we won't talk about that album now but um yeah i don't know like i just and and maybe again maybe i'm still maybe the problem is is that exile hits me so hard that i can't recover for six to seven minutes you know, I, get, I don't yeah, know. I, what
1: you're saying. I, I I also am loving that you're replacing all the Jack Anandoff songs with Aaron Desner songs. <laughs> am I? Yeah, "Tis the Damn and Season" and "Champagne Problems" are both Aaron Desner ones. But you no, know, but that's the thing about about folklore is like kind of the the most folklore songs are the Aaron Dessner ones. I I, I agree. With so that. you want oh, yeah. them to be you you want it to be a little bit more cohesive. You know what I mean? So you're like, yeah, but if we just do Maybe it, that's like, what it is. You know, like, keep it keep it there. Keep it the, a little more contained with that kind of stuff. You know, I, I get that. But, no, Miraball, I mean, for me, it's just not a sound I thought I would hear from her. Mm. So at this point, first impression, I'm like, oh, I didn't expect this to be like a dream pop song. Like, I, I didn't expect that from her. And this is, again, right, this is where the pandemic... Comes in, she talked about this right in the documentary. Um, she wrote this after Loverfest was canceled. Right. And, and they and you get a fun bridge in there. You know, they, when they called off the circus, bring the disco down, sit home all the horses and the rodeo clowns, you're just like, hey, this is that sharp. And that's a, that's a fun bridge. But the, all of the hush, you know, kind of stuff to get you back into like the verses. Um, hush. I know they said the end is near hush no one you know like yeah i i do this i i just never heard her perform vocally like that i don't i can recall and i was like well this is i i she's doing a new thing whereas like in the pre my tears ricochet i was like i expect that from you i did not expect ball from her and that's why i enjoy that track
0: the the idea of, of her being like i'm i'm a performer and if if performing goes away I mean, man. There's. I mean, Makai. You, you and I can talk about it. Like, the first year of us doing this podcast was a period of time where, like, live music hadn't come back yet. Like, we were getting guests on this podcast that we were not expecting to. In we were because there was nothing else to do. Like, people whose careers are performing, and suddenly you can't perform. Even the healthiest person has to figure out who they are when they can't do the thing where they get their sense of identity from. And I I'm someone who communicates publicly for a living. And, you know, I can, I can very much relate to that idea. Like I I went through, you know, the, the four or five months of 2020 were like, you're, you're sitting at home and it is like, you, it, there's, there's a weird thing of trying to figure out, all right, well, if I don't do this thing, who am I? And, and I, I just think like, I, I just, I, I relate so much to this song. And, and then, so, so I, I, is as you talk about like not connecting to, to the lyrical content of it? Like, this is one of those songs from like, Oh yeah. Like I, I get it. Like I get this idea of mm-hmm. like, I, <laughs> I'm, I'm still tr- like, I'm up here spinning. No one's shining any light at me, but I'm still up here spinning. Like, I guess I'll just hang here.
1: It's, it's a very impressive thing to write a song. That's this sweet. And so desperate need of attention. Yeah. You know what I mean? Just like, I need attention horribly, but yet it, 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 it could come off so horribly, maybe in another songwriter's hands or another singer's hands, but it's sweet. Because she's America's sweetheart. Like she's,
0: it's, a, it's a very sweet song about being needy.
1: This is someone who has been in the tabloids for 15 years who is saying, okay, why why are all eyes on me? <laughs> who just had a documentary come out. You know, it's just like, yeah. you know what I mean? It's just like, it, it, but you don't read it that way at all. Like there, there is just an undeniable sweetness here.
3: Please pick some. still got love for you your braids like a pattern love you to the moon and to Saturn pass down like folk songs the love lasts so
2: long I mean apparently this is when I'm alive I've recovered from exile because I really like seven
1: um it's it's another Aaron Dessner collaboration by the way I
2: know I know um I like put little notes next to next to those um yeah I really like Seven I think it's and I I it's it is haunting for lack of sounding like I'm pulling from the lyrics but it is um and I think it's sweet and again it's it's kind of got that like fictional like vibe to it where you know it's not really something that she's necessary it doesn't feel like it's her it feels like she's singing about someone else i'm not really sure why i get that out of it but um i really like seven i think it's a beautiful song
1: this is one for me where it starts and i'm like yes this is what i want i did not expect this from her this is not something i this is like this is a new territory for her like again, singing like in that falsetto voice, you know, she, she's using her voice differently on this record. And it's, it's very exciting for someone who's been like wanting something, something other than, I don't know about you, but I'm feeling 22. You know, just like, I want you to, to do something else, you know? And, and this is someone who thinks blank space was the best pop song of that decade, you know? So like, again, a fan, whatever. And also this song, I think kind of gives you the best of what, two different people might be wanting from the record, right? If you're, if you're a Swifty, you want her to say sweet tea in the summer. Cross my heart. Won't tell no other. It's just like, okay, that's a very, that is something that you could have written 15 years ago, but how the song starts and all the please picture me in the trees, all that kind of stuff. She, she kind of goes back and forth between a, a Taylor who's 30 and looking back, and then settling in a Taylor who's still the country stars singing about sweet tea and stuff. You know what I mean? Like it seems to go uh, jump timelines a little bit here and jump perspectives because the songwriting styles change, you know, like between those, those, those shifts, um, which is something that's interesting. Uh, but that, that, that's just kind of my read on it. Yeah. I think, I think it sounds really beautiful when it starts All the sweet tea stuff. I'm like, Oh, that's kind of, why? Why did you decide to to go back to that kind of well from many years ago? Whatever.
2: Yeah. Well, I think too. Like, I mean, that's yeah. That is. Kind of, it is going back. You're totally right. I, I get that, and I, I'd never really thought about it. But it's also like a song about childhood, you know. So mm-hmm. maybe there's something there where she's going backwards because she's singing about childhood, yeah. and like, and like lyrically, I had to pull this up because there's like there's lyrics that like that kind of like stick in my head from this song you know when you kind of get like a loop of like three lines in your head and you can't get rid of them and Mm -hmm. for me it's in this song it's the like i've been meaning to tell you i think your house is haunted your dad is always mad and that must be why like again you want to talk about like i i like the saddest songs on a record rob you might remember this about me from our time in college where everyone would be like what's your favorite song on this new record and it'd be like oh you know the one that makes everyone cry all the time um so and i feel like these that there's a couple parts of this song where you're just like, wow, like this is about childhood, but like not the happy childhood that she's sang about in the past, like about Mm -hmm. something much deeper.
0: This Aaron Dessner collaboration in between all of these other Jackie Antonoff collaborations, it is like, it it feels so haunting contrasted against these other songs that it feels so different.
1: I mean, we hear that because immediately is another jack
0: antonoff song, Gigantinoff, you know,
1: song yeah. and you hear it right away with the drum sound mm-hmm. the way the guitar like the, the effects that are on the guitar that they've chosen it's just like oh this this is another kind of more bright pop song that we're used to hearing from her
3: air, and the rest on your door i never knew. are you sure never have I ever before but I can see us lost in the memory August slipped away into a moment in time cause it was never mine and I can see it's twisted in bed. bedsheets August slipped away like a ball of wine cause you were never mine
1: pretty much all I have to say about August um, cancel my plans just in case you call and say meet me behind the mall is one of my favorite lines in the album It was just like yeah man that is that's what you sign up for t- th- this is this is why you like our song is a slam the screen door you know it's like this is why you like you know like all, all that kind of stuff. like this is just the the young love innocence the last month of summer you know like getting dropped off at the... It's of those things like, and presumably you'd have to be dropped off at the mall by either, like, another friend or your parent or something, and then go and meet behind the mall. You know, it's just like... And so there there's, like, some sort of pretense, like, okay, Mom, thanks for dropping off to the mall. I'll see you at eight. Then you go behind the mall where the real action is. You know what I mean? Like, there's just something...
2: So this is the second song in the Betty James trilogy. Okay.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Right? So this is so this is what James leaves Betty to go do essentially for a summer. Um, Oh yeah. So this is August. So her Taylor says she never really had a name, but she started to call her Augustine. So she was the other woman. So Betty and James, they break up at like prom or whatever. I don't know. Yeah, that's probably May. So that makes sense. And then he goes and, and hence spends his summer with Augustine. And this is her telling that story. And I think, so for me, this is probably one of, if not the favorite, my favorite song on this album. And I think there's a couple of reasons, which like growing up in Florida, like the salt air and the rust on your door, I was in, I was like, I know both of those things. And I get that vibe. Right. Howl malls. Yes. And like the malls are such a big deal. And so I was like, Mm -hmm. okay, like I understand this setting makes sense for me. Like I've seen this house. I've been to this boy's house. Um, I completely get what is happening here. So yeah, so she, this is like, I think this is such an interesting thing for two for Taylor to write about because in the past she writes so much about like her, what happened to her and then like the men who left her and the women who were involved in that and how they're terrible and stuff like that. And finally we're seeing that like, she's grown up enough to respect that like, there's no bad guys in these situations Um, because this Augustine woman actually- really probably loved James and was like pretty bummed out that he went back to Betty um, because she had a really great time that summer. And I think that's really sad. Like I, I feel like I can relate to that because I definitely was in those relationships when I was young. So maybe that's why it like really spoke to me. But um, I thought it was so great to get each of their perspectives on this, this fictional relationship.
3: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
2: And then Mimi behind the mall, like that's, yeah, I mean, exactly. Like they're just, they shouldn't like, betty's friends are probably everywhere you know like they they're kind of sneaking around
1: yeah and there's something you know that that's like a fun thing you know like you know like it's it's an affair
2: um
1: to some degree right yeah yeah and And i think they're
2: like they're not they're like college age you know like post high school college age so that's a little bit between it could be right you could read it like it's their last summer right like it's You
1: know, like there's, there's, there is an excitement there. Right. And there's a reason why it's August, right. It's the last month of summer school starts at the end of August. Right. There, there is, there's the energy there that just really captures something really unique about young. I mean, it's basically Greece, right. It's, it's summer loving, right. (laughs) And, uh, And
2: it has all the charm of Greece, but like, these three characters seem like everybody in high school or everybody yeah. in college or whatever.
1: Yeah, Mimi Behind the Mall. Which one? Yep. Millennia, Florida Mall. Yeah. I'll be there.
2: <laughs> I'm Downtown can't. Disney,
1: Mimi Behind the House yep. of Blues, C yep. <laughs> and Ted. Yep.
0: So uh, let's go into the next song, which I, I will say, This is Me Trying feels like such an evolution as a songwriter. A great song, really intentionally adopting all of these different points of view. And in in really beautifully done. This might be my favorite song she does with Jack Antonoff on the album.
2: I think it's solid. I don't yeah, I wouldn't say that it's necessarily my favorite, but it's up there. I I mean it's a mm-hmm. it's a great song. And again, like something she probably could never have put on any other album
1: yeah I mean this is I, this is another one where I've always kind of like okay this is the pandemic coming back right you know it's just like hey I'm trying I'm living off stimulus checks you know like again that's me projecting because that is not her experience um, you know but like you know I, I
0: I think I'd be really upset if I found out Taylor Swift got stimulus checks
1: yeah right oh, you know, <laughs> yeah yeah um, you know so like I think this is this is kind of the sign of the times kind of a track. And it's not one that I really like. I don't really like the melody and I don't really like the production as much as I do like the Desner songs, which is just a bias I carry throughout the record. Um, but then I was listening again on the long pond sessions version and damn it if I didn't start tearing up and I was just like, oh, I guess mm-hmm. I'm guess I'm all in on this is me trying now. <laughs> um, but just like just just the way she says like i you know I, like i have a lot of regrets about that like the way she said like and she like says it like again and i think it's just like ooh you really do have a lot of regret like you, to bring it back up again i think really is an effective songwriting tool to have that be a recurring thing in the verses and um again like i it i it's not a very catchy song um it it's This is me trying, I think is, is kind of an easy line. It's just like the very easy one, you know, like, you know, it's just like, Oh yeah, this this is a, it's a very easy button to push a line. Like this is me trying. Whereas like I have a lot of regrets about that is actually the one that gets me emotional. Um, but yeah, but there's something that happened listening to it a couple times um, over the last week, where I'm like, oh, but specifically the long pawn mm-hmm.
0: versions. Uh, I think um this is this is one of those songs that is definitely improved in the in the long pawn version.
1: Yeah, I think um the I, and I yeah I guess it's just always been the production has been a barrier for me. That once you eliminate that and you get straight to the lyrics, right? Just kind of streamline that where that's all I'm hearing and that's all I'm listening to, and I'm not listening to how the stark contrast between this and like the destiny songs or something, then it becomes something like, oh boy. And I, I'm I'm sure this is a universal thing. This is not something that makes me unique, but as someone who is who has anxiety and sometimes my anxiety doesn't manifest in me crying. My mine actually manifests in anger. Mm. And that makes you a much less sympathetic person. Cause no one feels bad for the angry guy. You're just being an asshole. You know, you're, you're bringing the vibe down, dude, like calm down. You know, it's like, I can't help that. And, you know, just like, and I've, I've, I've said this to my fiance. It's like, you don't understand that as we're having this conversation, I want to punch holes in the wall and rip doors off their hinges. And like, there's no way for you to know that, but I want you to, to say you're doing a good job. Something happened this week. We're listening to us. Like, oh wow uh, Taylor Swift understands that part of me that is the thing that I truly hate the most about myself but at the same time have absolutely no control over um, maybe it's because I want the song to maybe not push that button so easily yeah um, that maybe it feels a little too contrived for me as someone who has those intense emotions but yeah there there, there is a version of the song that works for me
0: yeah her her last her, her her last jack antonoff collaboration on the album illicit affairs
3: make sure nobody sees you leave Hood over your head keep your eyes down tell your friends you're out for a run you'll be flushed when you return take the road less traveled by Tell yourself you can always stop What started in beautiful rooms Ends with meetings in parking lots And that's the thing about illicit affairs And clandestine meetings and longing stares It's born from just one single glance But it dies and it dies and it dies A million little times
0: I I wish I liked this song more. Cause because it, it's 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 a it's it's a really good song. I I love like the tenderness of the but it dies and dies and dies a million like like it's 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 beautifully it's beautifully written. But I, I and, and this may be a sequencing issue for me. I think I would like this song more earlier in the album, but at this point in the album, it feels like a note she's hit. A handful of times already, and and so like I, it, it's it's a really it's a really pretty song. It's a really pretty song, and it just like I can look at it objectively and go, "This is a really pretty, well written song." I and it just doesn't it doesn't do for me what songs earlier in the album have done.
1: Yeah, I mean for me the highlight here is "Don't Call Me Kid," "Don't Call Me Baby." By the time you get that, that's the that's kind of the one. Moment on the album. That's the 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 fist, you know, in the air at the stadium tour. Just like, oh yeah, that that's the one that could that can really play at the rooms that she's used to playing. I think, and I think yeah. it's designed for that too.
3: Yeah, yeah
2: I and mean, I think a little bit. I think it's there's there's like a song on Reputation. Is a getaway car. I feel like, and I feel like it kind of. I don't know. Maybe this is like the answer to that that she was kind of writing, which is that like, okay, well, actually um, this kind of sucks. You know, like, it's not as it's, I, I don't know, I feel like there's a lot of honesty on this record, and so yeah. that's what I like about Illicit Affairs so much just because it's like any, you know, everyone's been in some level of they've been cheated on, they've been the cheater, they've misunderstood, you know, we were on a break, I don't know what it is, you know, but like, it's never it, it's I think that like it's her answer to the like glamorization of all of that and that it just sucks. And I think that's like a really, it's an interesting perspective because I don't know that a lot of people are singing about that. You know, some people are just singing about like sexy stuff and she's kind of like, yeah, this like song kind of like has a sexy vibe to it, but it's Mm -hmm. actually saying how not cool that whole thing is. And that's what I kind of, I, I love that. Like the juxtaposition of those two things. You know she's at that point in her life where like she's probably seen friends get married and also divorced like we all have by the time we're like 30 you know so we've seen like the the ugly side of all the drama
1: or even selena gomez go through the justin bieber
2: thing exactly right
0: um and then you follow elicit affairs up with with maybe the sweetest song on the album
2: it's so sweet already heard
1: instrumental versions of this played at weddings Mm mm-hmm
3: the color of the grass where i used to read at centennial park i used to think i would meet somebody there teal was the color of your shirt when you were 16 at the yogurt shop you used to work at to make a little money time curious time give me no compasses give me no signs the clues I didn't see. And isn't it just so pretty to think all along there was some invisible string tying you to me?
0: It, it, it is sonically an interesting sounding
1: song to me. Like, I agree. Well, it's the Aaron Dessner one. We're back in his hands now, so. See? Yeah.
0: But even even it being Aaron Dessner, and again, like watching the Long Pond Studio stuff, you realize like it, this this is a sound made by a very particular guitar with a rubber bridge, like mm-hmm. like this. But it it has such a it, it does have such a unique sound to it. It's that thing where you hear it, and it sounds almost like a a programmed sound that you would get like like in a digital audio workstation to realize like this is aaron desner playing a guitar from the 1930s is is so interesting to me
1: the song that's written is like to bring up all these colors green was the color of the grass teal was the color of your shirt like, well, that's interesting that's not really something she's been doing on this record a lot and there's another color that comes up eventually on the record which is blue which gets back to my Joni Mitchell thing. Um, but then it's um, it becomes self-referential for the first time. Bad was the blood of the song on the cab, which is like, that's like a really kind of funny way to write. You heard my song, Bad Blood in the cab. Uh-huh. But bad, bad was the blood of the song on the cab. Which like That's actually like a really fun plan words that I actually really like. Uh, your first trip to LA, um, and then getting lunch down by the lakes, which is going to write the bonus track, the lakes. And she said, I look like an American singer. So it's like, okay, well actually we're getting autobiographical stuff, which we hadn't been getting before.
2: This is so, the one where you're really like, wow, this is all about her. Like, this is the song yeah. that this is yeah. the story of her and Joe, which again, like super sweet. You know.
1: Yeah. But also getting back to that mature Taylor, you know, like, you know, cold was the ax that you had to grind uh for my for the ex who broke my heart heart. and now i send their children their children presents you know and that's that's kind of like a kind of a cool like you're a cool chick (laughs) you know like it's like you really are america's sweetheart like like yeah i used to write songs about you breaking my heart but like your kid just turned three here's a whatever three-year-olds like you
2: know like that's that's a,
1: that's a that's a cool move taylor cool move
2: yeah cool. i believe it was a knitted blanket she sent to joe jonas if we want to be specific rob i know you don't know you don't follow the gossip i did, I did that know
0: is... that she i did know she dated joe jonas
2: yeah I, I, I only person at the from
1: the disney machine tall enough to date her yeah let's wrap on that a very sweet song
0: it's 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 again it's a very sweet song and, and look, it'll it, be
1: played it, at it, weddings for it, people my age forever probably you know
2: totally so.
0: It it yeah. takes it takes talent to write a really sweet song. It just doesn't it's not very interesting.
2: No, it's like it reminds me of that song I should have looked up Who Sings It. It's like a country song and it's like All My Mistakes Led Me to You or something like that. That was like Oh, that's um
1: most of them. <laughs>
2: I'm going to find out this song. I don't know. I've heard it a million times. And like, I'm like, okay, so we're just doing that, which is fine. Um, But that's what it, that's, it's got that vibe to me. And I'm like, okay, but it's like skippable. You know, it's a long album. If I have to like, if I'm sacrificing a song, this might go. Yeah. (laughs) And and, and look,
0: I I will say it, it starts very strong and it ends very strong, but, but, but you could you could cut out half the songs in the middle of this album. And well, would, we
1: know what those songs are, you know, like yeah. it's, it's the, it's the imbalance of the Ananoff production versus the Desner production that opens and closes the record. But why I think everyone here responds to the long pond sessions when you get it down to piano and guitar, they actually work together much better yeah but yeah. with the two contrasting production styles you it it does dip yeah um and that's the thing about invisible string too is that it's having to follow illicit affairs so you don't you know so it's it's doing a little bit of heavy lifting there and like okay uh, resetting right mm-hmm. to 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 the previous sound from like the first from side one
3: what did you think i'd say to that does a scorpion sting when fighting back they strike to kill and you know i will you know i will what are you saying on your drive home do you see my face in the neighbor's lawn does she smile does she mouth fuck you forever? Every time you call me crazy, again more crazy. What about that? And when you say I seem angry, I get more angry. And there's nothing like a mad woman. What a shame she went mad. Till the claws come out, and you find something to wrap your noose around. And there's nothing like a man
1: woman. Yeah, this this is where this run here is. Yeah. This is what makes the album for me. Yeah. When I think about like what is folklore, it really comes down to like like exile and then like these like last few tracks.
0: Mm-hmm. So, Mad Woman, the theme song for gaslighting.
2: Oh, man. Yeah, this one hurts, honestly. Like, it's like <laughs> this one, it's, it's, she's just saying so much of like what I, I man, so we get called crazy a lot? Um, and it's just like, oh, thanks. Like, and Taylor Swift got called crazy a lot more than like any other girl in America. Mm-hmm. Um, and I may, you know, not rightfully so because what the hell guys um so i love that she just like opens it and she's like yep like this is what it's about this is how i feel y'all got to stop this shit and and it's it's real like again we're talking about honesty um it just feels like a very honest view of that whole thing and i i love it i think it's a great way to again start kind of like the ending of the album really strong
1: yeah and i think it's I mean, I think it has a lot to say about Taylor. I think it has a lot to say about the woman in Great American Dynasty. Mm-hmm. You know, speaking on her behalf in ways that maybe a woman, maybe maybe she couldn't in the 1920s, even though she lived very lavishly and said it in those ways. Um, and I think she's speaking up for uh, the, the August character. which just yep. like, nah, man, you're James' side piece. Betty's always the one. They're the ones who are meant to be together. Mm-hmm. You're crazy. Like, you, you thought you were in love no you're crazy or very easy for the character james right to be like no she's crazy like right. i never said that i didn't i didn't say that i would never say that you know what i mean it's just like and then suddenly everyone in school is like oh she thinks that she had this thing she told everyone but he doesn't even like her mm-hmm. you know it's just like it's that you know so historically um in in terms of gossip in terms of her own story, right? There, there's so many ways in which women are perceived as being mad or crazy, and 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 she's you know, you know, speaking to that in a way that works well. This is, I think, this is a turning point for my fiance. She heard the song and she was like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, like this. This was kind of hurt in for for Taylor, and it's the woman who. Right. Coming off of the that court case with the DJ who grabbed her ass and she sued him yeah. for a dollar, you know, like you call me crazy for suing him for a dollar and or you maybe call me crazy for accusing him of having done that to me? You know what I mean? Like it's, you know, I, is this is one of the things Robbie asked like, what do we love about Taylor Swift? I love this about Taylor Swift. Yeah. Yeah. There is something that
0: I love that she does so well. Mad, mad woman successfully does what I think reputation was trying to do. Which is, she's clever. She's clever in Mad Woman. She's honest. Mm-hmm. She's she's unbelievably honest and transparent in it. But she's clever in Mad Woman in a way she's trying too hard to be on Reputation. And yeah. so,
1: but I think Reputation knows that it's being over the top. Also, yeah, that, yeah. that's fair. But, they, but I just, I just think that like the people here, that's not what we want from her.
0: Yeah. Right. And so what that's I what I want from Taylor Swift is in women like hunting witches to doing your dirtiest work for you, it's obvious that wanting me dead has really brought you two together.
2: Yeah. Oof. Yeah. I feel, I feel accused and seen all at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. Because there's no one who's meaner to women than other women. There's just no one. Um, I also think it's so interesting that you bring up the reputation thing, because one thing that I've always thought about this too, is that like, so on, you know, there's, there was this like feud with her and Katy Perry for so long about John Mayer and everyone kind of knew about it, bad blood, whatever. And then in reputation, there were all these other feuds, but then, um, on lover, you know, she brings Katy Perry in on the you need to calm down video and they like make up and I'm like, Oh, like, so like, it just feels like healing in a way, you know, it's like, okay, like we've like, I've, I've like made up with this person and we used to call each other crazy and hate each other and write all these terrible things about each other. And now like, but now that we're both done with that guy. Yeah. Yeah. And like, and that whole, and that life, like, it's not even about the guy honestly, like, it's just about like just being done with that, like that part of my life where I did that. Um, Mm -hmm. And I think mad woman like addresses that in a way that's so like beautifully written and composed in a perfect part of the album where normally to be honest at this point, an album, I'd be like, I don't know, guys, I'm getting tired. I might need to, to drop out on this. It really like brings me back and I'm like, okay, all right, let's finish this.
1: Two things and we'll do a wrap on mad woman. I love that when Aaron sent her the track, her read of it was oh this is this is female rage this is this is feminine yeah. rage and Aaron like kind of like chuckling at that I was like okay great yeah okay cool I, I can do that too that's awesome for me you know like um, and to watching her perform that song along the pause like uh oh I was watching last night with my fiance it's like oh reputation Taylor's coming out like, she she gives some glares. I'm like, I don't know who. I hope she's not making eye contact with one of the three people in that room because whoever it is is about to get cut because um, she's she's ready to attack.
0: this is an album where we see her evolution as a songwriter. Epiphany is a statement piece of songwriting on this album. Like it's, it's this, this is a, this is a song. It feels like you, you never would have heard from her before this. And it is, I mean, if, if invisible string is like the saccharine sweet song, Epiphany is writing a beautiful song.
1: I'll, okay, Um, this is one that I, I kind of, like, recognized. Like, first impressions, like, oh, this is different. This is new, and I like this, and this is a different vibe into it. But then, I think it was, like, the one-year anniversary of Folklore happened, and I was like, oh, I should put the record on. I haven't spun the record in a while. So it's June, July 2021. Lots happened. And then suddenly like I use that like five minutes to process the entire year that had happened since it came out. And uh, cause I hadn't really, you know, it's it 2020 was just hard, right? It's just hard. And uh, holding hands through plastic. Now doc, I think she's, you know, it's just like it. I was straight up wrecked. In a way, I've I I know like a lot of women in my life have like listened to it, like oh my god like I listen to a song and I just cry and I cry, I've never like that's not been my experience but like June or July 2021 listening to Epiphany like suddenly hit me so raw, and I mean this this is a pandemic song right it's doing double duty it's it is an homage to right and paying respects to her grandfather. Who's or yeah, was in World War II and didn't talk about it, but also about nurses in the time of the pandemic. And I don't think a lot of us have like spent a lot of time just kind of processing everything that we've seen and witnessed and been afraid of and not letting ourselves be afraid of because we have to be strong with the people that we've been living with. Uh, So by myself, I listened to the song a year later and it just, it all kind of came crashing down in a way that was uh, very cathartic and unexpected. Cause I had heard a song many times. I listened to the song many times when it came out, but in that moment, it just, it meant a, a lot to me for about five minutes. Um, and sometimes if I, if I like tune in to the track, um, I, I could, I could probably get there again. So I, I have to keep kind of a safe emotional distance to it when I'm listening to the record. Cause it can be, it can be pretty heavy.
2: Yeah. I wonder how it holds up. And if, you know, 10 years from now, like, are people going to understand it? Like, is the, you know, is this going to make sense? And that's, yeah. that's going to be really interesting because it does feel really specific. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. But and maybe, you know, good records, I think are, are timeless, but can also be tied to that, that moment, mm-hmm. you know? So, and and hopefully, you know, this album and that song are, are able to do things and, I, I I think so. I think that it will will hold up and people can kind of look at this as a, as a great document of, of great music, but also great music from this
2: specific time. Yeah, totally. Yeah.
3: Betty, I won't make assumptions about why you switched your homeroom, but I think it's because of me. Betty, one time I was riding on my skateboard When I passed your house, it's like I couldn't breathe You heard the rumors from Inez You can't believe a word she says most times But this time it was true The worst thing that I ever did Was what I did to you But if I just showed up at your party Would you have me, would you want me Would you tell me to go fuck myself Or lead me to the garden, in the garden Would you trust me if I told you It was just a summer thing I'm only 17, I don't know anything But I know I miss you
2: Yes, finally, we get to end the trilogy with Betty and what she's got to say about uh, or what well, what James has to say about this whole situation on the song, Betty. Um, Again, I just I'm all in on like, give me the story, the whole thing. Um, I love Betty. I'm so glad that we're back on this. I, I think that it is a little classic Taylor, you know, with like a lot of the kind of the way that it feels, but I like, I like getting his perspective. Cause again, that's something Taylor Swift's never given us before. Mm-hmm. Like she's never let the guys have a perspective. Um, and, and, and again, I think this is like the snippet. This is like the one time he comes back to her. And I think this is not going to be the last time he does this um, based on what we hear in card again. But I do love just kind of like this little snippet in time. And And all of like the feels that, that, that are happening. And it could be a total cliffhanger, but we know then later, like what goes on. Mm -hmm. Uh, Uh, But I think it's, I think it's a great one. I think it's interesting too. So when I noted on this, I don't think that Aaron or Jack did anything on the songwriting on this. It was just her boyfriend, Joe outline too. Right.
1: mm -hmm. It's just her and Joe.
2: Yeah. Yeah. But they
1: both are, have producing credits. Okay. Mm -hmm. got it on it um which is funny you know because this is the gang's all here you know like this
2: that's true this is kind of everybody huh yeah yeah which which joe's
0: the co-writer and it's the only song that Aaron that aaron desner and jack antonoff produce
1: yeah and uh this is a top ten taylor swift song i this is this is up this is up there with with blank space it's it's up there with um you know love story you can put up there with all too well Mm -hmm. like this is a when they make the Taylor Swift best of right this this is going on there I mean this is this is what she does best um but with that twist right from the male perspective which she hasn't done before um yeah no I mean it's just it's just great you know like this is there anything better than this chorus like if I showed up at your party would you have me would you want me would you tell me to go fuck myself? <laughs> you know, just like just oh, girl.
2: Taylor Swift is like, hi guys, guess what? I have a terrible mouth just like you do. Right. But, but
1: it's still, but doesn't lose an ounce of the sweetness Mm-mm. that we get from her. Right. It's, and even when she performs a song, it's so sweet. And the song is so sweet. You know, like, would you kiss me like on the porch in front of all your stupid friends? It's just like this, God, if this is so being 17, um, it, it you know, feels
2: like a teen movie condensed yeah. in a little like tiny package yeah you can see it i know crazy. where that i know that porch <laughs> you
1: know i'm only 17 i don't know anything but i know i miss you and i love that it's i know i miss you so you know instead of like i know i love you like i I love that it's not like the total teenage arrogance. like i love you you mean everything to me it's just like i miss you you know what i mean like that's which is probably the most you have to offer it as 17, right? You yeah. know, I, I, I think that's, it's, it's great. And, and, and a Taylor Swift 10 years ago, it would have been, but I know I love you and I know I can't live without you. This is, yeah. I'm let's get married. Right. Let's run away. Romeo and Juliet, right? you know, or a, a careless man's careful daughter, you know, all, mm-hmm. all that kind of, you know, like this is, I don't know anything. I just know i miss you i'm super sorry <laughs> you know like and uh and but then, and then the standing in your cardigan kissing in my car again it's not the most clever rhyme but it's the best rhyme for this song you know and it works and, and yeah. it gives you the cardigan again and it's oh so now we have this like non-linear kind of things like this is the cardigan from the beginning it's this great kind of callback again not an easter egg it's a it's a callback let's call it what it is uh and yeah I I mean, you know, stopped at a streetlight, you know, it's just like it has all these great teenage love signifiers um, with a little bit more bite than she typically gives it and a different perspective. And I think that this is kind of, you know, a lot of songs have like led to this kind of moment. This is the best of this type of song that she's written many times.
2: Mm hmm. Robin. I think if we ended the album on this song because of the cardigan callback, like I wouldn't be mad at it. Like I love the other songs, but if this would have been chosen as the last track, I would have been like, okay, yeah, that makes sense. You know, we wrapped it up in a nice little bow and, right. and we're sending you on your way. Right, okay. I agree with
1: that. Well, because it is the last of those tracks, right? Cause there, yes. there's a, there's a kind of maybe some biographical stuff, some pandemic stuff. And then there's like the love triangle stories. Like, so mm-hmm. there, there are, so it is wrapping up at least one of those bows, correct? Yeah. Around here, so it like like I said, it has two opening tracks. Maybe there are three opening tracks. Um, you know, it, it, maybe it has three or four closing tracks. Also, if you if you include the bonus track or not, a lot of invisible strings to to tie up on this one. Ooh, <laughs> clever. Oh, God,
0: uh, that's, that's the, why they came. The pay most like, the big swifty
1: bucks. thing like I've ever said.
0: <laughs> like. It's it's kind of like a twisted sweetness, like it's it's a sweet song, but it's not really like that. That's kind of how I feel.
2: Yeah, I mean, I I guess is 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 the Betty and James story actually a love story? Like they end up together, but is it truly a love story? And I mean, like that's kind of I think where again we we have this like side that we've never seen. Yeah, where it's like there's not some it's not a happy ending. Um, and for some people, it's just.
0: Or or maybe the the reality that, like, there's no such thing as fairy tales. Like,
2: yeah, yeah, maybe that's what it is. Like, the whole, yeah, like the, maybe that's not what it is. And, and things are going to be hard. And that's there. Yeah, it is a bittersweet song. You're absolutely right. I mean, I think that James is the villain. Like, just spoiler alert, that's my opinion. At the end of this trilogy, I think that James is the villain, even though. He, this it's uh, it's a really sweet song, and I see his perspective at seventeen, and I can still find the sweetness in that, knowing that in the end he's kind of a shit guy.
0: Last two songs on the album, Peace.
3: A coming of age is come and gone. Suddenly, the summer it's clear, and never had the courage of my convictions as long as danger is near and it's just around the corner darling cuz it lives in me no i can never give you peace but i'm a fire I'll keep your brittle heart warm If you cascade ocean wave blues come All these people think love's for show But I would die for you in secret The devil's in the details But you got a friend in me Would it be enough If I could never give you peace Your integrity makes me seem small you paint dreamscapes on the wall. I talk shit with my friends. It's like I'm wasting your honor. I'll
1: break the silence on this one. I love this. Song. I this is this is again, this is what I sign up for. Your integrity makes me seem small. <sighs> um just the, the pulse, the pump bump 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 and it is it is a pulse like on a synthesizer and presumably and a bass like it's like like oh it's one thing to strip something down to like an acoustic guitar and a piano to strip it down to like the pulse and bass this is bonkers this is what I'm like okay what are you what is Aaron Dessner going to do with Taylor Swift what are they going to pull out of each other right and this is one of those things. I'm like, okay, this is good. This is interesting. This is fun. There's some, I think Taylor overwrites sometimes, and there's some of that here that I, I that I don't like. Love robbers to the east, clowns to the west. You know, it's just like eh, I don't love that. Um, but I but I'm still very impressed with because I mean we hear the full song, but what she got was beep 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 doo beep, doo 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 boom like on the bass, right? And then she's like, I know exactly what to do here. She floods this thing with different melodies and different hooks. Like, she's just like, I'm not just going to give you like one option for where to take this song. I'm actually going to take it many places, even though you give to me actually very little on this track. Even, even though the bass stuff is actually very impressive and very nuanced and very cool. So it this for me, the song is a huge flex for her as being like, wow, you gave me a very bare track and I can do a lot actually with this. It's a huge flex. Love it. I'm repeating myself already. Mm -hmm. Um, And, um, you know, and and thematically, right. The idea of, would it be enough if I could ever give you peace? That's, you know, the, I mean, anything I could say about that, just listen to the conversation on the long pond sessions with Aaron Desner and his issues with depression and, when she says about relationships where she's like if you want to be with me just know the storm's coming like it's gonna like that's i there's nowhere i can go where that's not going to be there you know so you you can be with me but there's always going to be someone with a a camera lens from two miles away who's going to photograph us there's always going to be this there's going to be that and oh is this the song no no i'm thinking all right so yeah that that's all my thoughts on peace i think this is a a very impressive song, even though lyrically maybe overwritten at times.
2: I get that. I mean, I think it's so personal to her that that's probably why it's a little overwritten. Yeah. Um, You know, you can kind of feel how like much it means to her. Like this is, this is like her being at her rawest almost, because this is probably the thing she's the most self-conscious about in relationships. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think there's like such a beauty to that. And again, like to kind of be teeing up the ending to the record to come back to what a lot of people really do love about her, which is that, that bare honesty about like her own life. Um, So I think it's a little bit, you know, like, okay. Like it's, it's a little bit for the fans, even though it's more about her. Um, And I think it's, it's a very cool piece of music i did not mean that because it's not called peace um but yeah like i i I think it's really interesting and like it's i would die for you in secret Is just like one of the like coolest oh yeah it's just such like a beautiful tiny little tidbit of a line that just gets me every time like when i think about the song that's exactly the line i think of and i think that sums up the whole thing
1: Right. And then, well, the line before that, too, like people say that, like, this love is for show, but I would die for you in secret. I would die for you in secret. That's a beautiful,
0: you
2: know, for someone who lives her life in front of people, that's like a very interesting sentiment. Yeah. It is,
0: it's interesting that what seems to be her longest, most stable relationship has been the one that she has also seemed seemingly been the most protective of in terms of keeping it out of the public eye.
2: Mm-hmm. Probably purposefully. Yeah. Because Dang. the other ones have just been so ugly yeah. and so like filled with paparazzi and bullshit. So uh,
0: random thing. He, you know he's he's credited on the on, on the album for it he's not he's not given a co- co-writing credit or, or anything on it but this is the other song that Justin Vernon appears on the 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 pulse the pulse sound the that kind of sonic thing that uh, Miya was mentioning is is Justin Vernon's con- contribution to to this song yeah
1: well I mean what what a Probably was. It was probably a song that Justin Vernon and Aaron Dessner were doing for Big Red Machine, probably because it sounds much more like what they do with that project. Yeah. And she was probably and because they say, right in the documentary, she said, send me anything you have, right? Like the wackiest thing that you have, whatever it is, like I want to hear it. And this was probably the most far out thing she got that she was like, I can actually use this. Um, and that, I was very impressed with her. Well, this one i've said it before and i will i'll say it again and he said i mean the best compliment you can give anyone um in a different interview he said yeah well, i gave her this song and she came back with all these lyrics and she picked up on these time signature changes and these tempo changes stuff and she picked up on all this stuff and i was like i mean she's like joni mitchell she can do anything so if aaron desner's calling you joni mitchell you've d- you've done a good thing
0: so we talked about the idea of potentially there being two opening songs to this album. Betty, Peace, and Hoax feel like the three closing songs.
3: My only one My smoking gun My eclipsed sun This has broken me down My twisted knife My sleepless night My windless fight This has frozen my ground Stood on the cliffside screaming Give me a reason Your faithless love's the only hugs I believe in
1: I have a lot of thoughts on this song Because I think it's brilliant Uh, This is one of my favorite songs on the record Um, Yeah, and like I said It it does tie up a lot of things A lot of these kind of motifs and recurring images Show up here Um, And I'll just talk about some of my favorite things And hopes. it starts to make sense But the core, you know, stood on the cliffs. I screaming, give me a reason. There's just something about that where that's that's the seven-year-old, right? In seven, like standing at the cliffs and just yelling out the like, "Give me a, you know, it's just like, is this give me a reason? Is this a threat? Is this, um, is this an existential crisis? Right? There's it's there's a bit of a double double entendre here in the way that we're used to hearing, right? Give me a reason. Give me a purpose. Or you know, so there there's a couple of ways to take it and the way it's saying is is gorgeous, right? And and I and I've heard a lot of people say that they don't like Taylor because they don't think her voice is interesting. And there are moments like this on this record where I'm like, Well, she her voice is beautiful. Yeah. Um, you know, and then your your faithless love's the only hoax I believe in, right? So Again, we're getting all the love themes, but we're getting the pandemic again. We've spent the last few months being told by the head of state that the pandemic is a hoax, right? And she has this word hoax and she's she's playing with it here. And maybe she knew that and maybe she felt insecure about that because in the documentary, she's talking to Aaron. She's like, I don't even know what this song is about. I'm not a hundred percent sure. Yeah. And then he says, well, you know, national songs stuff. Matt writes, Matt Beringer from the national. Mm -hmm. They're not about one thing. They can, they can be about many things. Right. And sometimes you don't know what it is until it's done out of your hands. You know? So does she know she's commenting on the pandemic? What is this song saying about the pandemic? You know, I mean, that has to be in a question, right? The hoax was, such a huge word for us for those first yeah. few months, um so for her to to use it for her to her own devices, I think it is very interesting here um and I don't think she has anything that's problematic and potentially beautiful, your faithless loves the only hoax I believe, and that's a very interesting right um lyric um and don't want no other shade of blue, you know for me, this is what I'm waiting for, right I said. Like I'm waiting for her to make her version of Jody Mitchell's blue. And then finally on this last track, here's that color, right? It's shown up. She wrote red, which was like its own kind of take on blue. So people have said, and she's, she's dropping that here um, again, intentional. I don't know, um, but it's there. Um, so there, there's that kind of stuff in. Then there's that, that bridge that is just, Especially in the Long Pond session, where because Aaron's playing the piano, it's great and it's straight up national stuff. Um, Very similar to Cardigan, actually, the piano part. Um, Very nice. And then she starts playing the acoustic on the bridge. You know, I left part of me back in New York. Um, You know, the hero died. So what's the movie for, right? That movie thing. Here's that motif. It's back, right? We're, we're constantly thinking about these images on screen and life imitating art. Where's the hero from the movie in a real life, right? There's a lot of comments here, a lot of concerns about life and art and those imitations. Um, and then you knew it still hurts me uh, underneath my scars from when you pulled me apart. And then when she brings that back, you know, from when they pulled me apart, but what you did was just as dark and you're like, oh, oh yeah, there is a darkness on the album that finally like the darkness they've been kind of alluding to in the package, in the presentation of the record is like really coming here at the end, which is a strange point. Where Amanda was just like, let's end on Betty, right? Let's let's end on a high note, guys. (laughs) She doesn't let you off the hook, right? She like she eased you in with the one she right in the middle. She gave you the the big jack in and off pop numbers. And now she's going to take you to the darkest places that she went through in the pandemic, the darkest places she went through throughout her career, right? Which we're referencing here, like a career of being torn apart. You know what I mean? So this kind of, I mean, this is a, this is a summation of like her whole career to this point is just kind of in a number of ways is being represented here, and you know, my only my only one going back on the, in the outro, right? song, the one, right. My only one, my kingdom come undone. You know, it's just like, there, there's some really powerful lyrics that um, we're not used to from her. I, I I think it's one of the best things she's written.
2: Yeah. I think it's beautiful. And I think you, you hit on so many points where it's like, it really does wrap up a lot of different lyrically things that she's done throughout the album. Um, You know, she talks about scars, which is imagery that is starts in cardigan um, and stuff like that. So I do feel like, yeah, I mean, maybe she doesn't know exactly what the song's about, but maybe that's why it's a great ending because it's kind of bringing together so many different things that maybe felt a little disjointed throughout the album um, with all these kind of like different themes coming in, but then it's like, okay, we're going to wrap it up and there's this gorgeous song to end everything and and it kind of makes it all make sense, but I I don't know, you know? Um, so I think it's a, I just think it's a gorgeous way to end the album. It's not one that I'd ever like pick out just to listen to by itself actually. Um, but I like it to wrap it up. Yeah. Right. it It is
1: a definite album closer. Yeah. 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 Yeah, it it is a song
0: that I think it works in the context of this whole album. But I'm but I'm with you. I, I don't think this is a song I would I would listen to on its own. I love the way it concludes this album. Um, so as we wrap up this album, a, a few questions that I have for you, Amanda: Is this Taylor Swift's best album?
2: I don't know, guys. Is it Taylor Swift's best? It might be. From a purely, like, musical standpoint, people would, I, I would say that from a, you know, industry standpoint, probably people would say Folklore is Taylor's best. I, it's not my personal favorite. It's up there, for sure. Um, but I, I think that, you know, so I guess it's two different answers. It's not my personal favorite, but it is, is it her best?
0: Probably, so what's your favorite Taylor Swift album?
2: For me I'm a Red Fan through and through. Um and now obviously Red Taylor's version um because I'm loyal, but but yeah, so for me that's the one that I I don't know why. I you know, I don't it's not like it hit me in this time where I was like going through this breakup and it was really if that's not the case at all. Um I just think it's a great record. Like I think it's a it's almost a perfect pop record. And that is where she shines. Although we're seeing that she can do obviously many other things. Um, but I just think it's, it's kind of, it's kind of an amazing record. Yeah.
1: Well, it's that great bridge between like the Max Martin full blown pop, but also the country stuff, but like the state of grace, like arena rock thing. Yeah. I mean, it, it there's, there's a lot, she offers a lot on, on red.
2: She does, and I, I think that folklore's it's got so much going for it, right? I mean, but it was put together in a way that was completely foreign to her, which she's acknowledged. Um, and it's just it's a totally different kind of album. It's so hard to even compare it because it does feel—and she calls everything eras—but it does feel like it's from a different era. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, so it's tough to say, but yeah, I, I think listen, I think folklore's great. Obviously, I've said I like almost everything on this. If I wonder if since we were talking about maybe the the songs that we could have like "Eh, done without you know if that was like on a bonus that would have been fine i wonder if this was a tighter album if my answer would be different i don't know um because i know it as a whole but i wonder if we were like at 12 songs if i'd be like it's perfect there's nothing wrong
1: i because i've done i've done like the start pulling it apart game and when you do like okay well now we just lost like a big chunk of what makes it like a pandemic album or, or like, Oh, well now we actually just lost a big part of what it makes it like personal to her. You know, you, you, you do start losing things once you start pulling those tracks, uh, other than like the tracks that you don't like as much, but you do lose an element of what makes it that album. Cause I, Rob and I have played the, make it a tighter 12 track album game. You know, that's, and that's good and fun, but uh, what what's here I think is, is, is still important. Yeah.
2: yeah, my dog is really trying to get my attention.
0: Awesome! Uh, it's you. You gave us way. To, you gave us tons of time, and I know it's been a long day. Amanda, have Thanks. a great night. Thanks so much for doing this. You
2: too, guys. Thank you. Uh,
0: well, it'll come out Monday, I think. Oh my gosh, that's so fast. Then. Okay, yeah, cool. I'll we're... promote
2: the hell out of it. I now I want to beat the email one. That's my goal.
1: Yeah. Well, it will be hard. We've had emo kids and Swifties. They come in numbers. So they do.
2: That's I'm going to put this. I'm in a Taylor Swift crossover. My favorite murder podcast, Facebook group, which is a lot to digest. So I just it's called we're called the Swift arenas. We are never, ever getting murdered. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and I'm definitely going to post this That's on there. So watch murder. out, you guys. So wait, What is um, what is the name
0: of the Facebook group?
2: This, <laughs> it's the swift, swift Dorinos, Dorinos. and we are never ever getting murdered
0: so uh a, a shout out amanda as we as we tell you good night uh a quick shout out to the swift arenas who are never ever getting murdered
2: never that's gonna happen love <laughs> you guys have a good night <laughs> all right bye
1: thanks amanda <laughs> I think if anyone's going to have a critique for us, I, I I think that many people could say, yeah, Taylor Swift is one of the best. And there probably should be a Taylor Swift album, but I think people might say it's too soon to do something to, to put on an album that only came out less than two years ago. Right. So Rob, what would you say to those people who said, Hey, this, this, this is just recency bias. Like, choose something older from her or wait, maybe the best is yet to come. What what would you say to those people who say it's too soon for folklore to, to kind of make that declaration? I
0: wholeheartedly am of the mindset that this may be too early, meaning that Taylor Swift's album, best album, Taylor Swift's best album may still be to come. And if that happens, we'll happily look at replacing this but I think what Aaron Desner, as a co-writer and as a collaborator brings out in Taylor Swift is, is a new side to her. Um, and it's in, it's just, it's different and it's interesting to me. And, and I think for as long as this album is, it is consistently good. There are songs that are not as strong as others on this album, but there is, there's not a bad song on this album.
1: Right. I, mean, I want to go back to what you're saying to Rob about what makes this kind of a unique thing for her. Is, you know, I, I referenced earlier in the intro that for each record, you get five, upward of seven singles per record. And that's actually not the case on this one. Um, only. Um, Cardigan has a music video. Betty was technically released as a single and exile technically released as a single, even though neither of them have music videos or anything. Right. That's, that's interesting. Right. So to me, that seems like, Oh, so it's not about the singles. It's about the record, right? The record is what is important. Not the big singles, not the music videos. Right. Um, which is different for a pop album. And it's definitely different for Taylor Swift and Evermore. is the same way. Um, but she did an interview with Paul McCartney, the two of them talking to each other, because they both made pandemic records. And um, she said to, to Paul, I just thought there are no rules anymore because I used to put all these parameters on myself. Like how will this song sound in a stadium? How will this song sound on the radio? If you take away all the parameters, what do you make? And I guess the answer is folklore. Right. So she she had been in that pop box. It's like, if I'm gonna make these songs and I'm gonna perform them live, then they have to be able to be performed in a stadium. Right. And these songs what what makes this album special, we don't know what's gonna happen with these songs later, but these probably won't there's not probably won't be a folklore evermore tour. Um, these songs probably won't show up a lot in her set, you know, when she does get to tour again. Um, it seems like this record is going to be really unique. Um, these songs aren't on the radio. Really? They, they never really made it even though like exile is not going to be on the radio. Right. I mean, you know, it's, um, you know, so it, she really seems to me, her intention with this record was to make a great record that would stand up as a great record, not as a great tour, not as a great, you know, a set of singles with some filler on it. Like this is a, this is a, a big artistic statement for her. Um, pop music isn't always about making great records. You know, it, it is more about great singles and great shows and great music videos. Uh, but what we have in folklore is, is a great record from a great pop star. And I think that's why, even though it just came out, right. I think it has to be on our list, right. It's, you know, and if it's not this, then it's red or it's 1989, but I, I wouldn't sleep well if we, mm-hmm. if we put those records on, cause I truly believe this is a, a special record from her. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I agree. Listener, what about you? And admittedly, Mackay and I were a little nervous about covering Taylor Swift at all, because Taylor Swift fans are you notoriously opinionated. And so for the Taylor Swift fans out there, did, did we get this right? If we're going to have a Taylor Swift album on our list of greatest albums of all time, is folklore the right pick? Should it be read? Should it be red Taylor's version or fearless Taylor's version? Should it be 1989 or did we get this right? And it's absolutely folklore. Let us know. Reach out to us at YouForgotOne on Instagram, at you Forgot One Pod on Twitter. Of course, our website is YouForgotOne.com. Make sure to follow, subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Google Podcast. Please leave a review or rate the podcast so that other folks like you can find it. And we're going to leave you now with the bonus track from Folklore, The Lakes
3: how all my elegies eulogize me I'm not cut out for all these cynical clones these hunters with cell phones take me to the lakes where all the poets went to die I don't belong and my beloved neither do you Those Windermere peaks look like a perfect place to cry I'm setting off, but not without my mules What should be over, burrowed under my skin and heart-stopping waves of hurt, I've come too far to watch some Name-dropping sleeves Tell me what are my words worth Take me to the lakes Where all the poets went to die I don't belong And my beloved, neither do you Those Windermere peaks Look like a perfect place to cry I'm setting off But not without my mules I want auroras inside I want to watch wisteria grow right over my bare feet, cause I haven't